Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. I want to welcome all of you to week two of a very special series that we're doing this fall. It's called Closer. And the whole goal is, no matter where you're at in your journey, to help you get closer to Jesus, to take another step in his direction, I promise you, you won't regret it. You won't regret at any point you take a step closer to Jesus, because Jesus is taking steps in your direction. I want to welcome our McKinney campus that's streaming with us, as well as all of you watching online. Would you join me and welcome all of those maybe watching this message later? Our 12.30 service as well. And uh, we've already enjoyed this series. We actually began it two weeks ago and started there, but then last weekend we had Next Gen Weekend. I'm gonna ask if you have your Bibles to turn with me to Matthew chapter six, verse 19. I wanna celebrate, as you're finding your passage there, I wanna celebrate Next Gen Weekend. How many of you guys enjoyed Next Gen, got a chance to see all of these awesome young leaders that are coming up. Several years ago, a handful of people, a few of my friends, we started a church in a cafetorium in South Keller and we had a dream. And the dream was that we wouldn't just be a mob and a mass of people, but we'd be a family. One of the distinctives of a family is that it's not just about your encounter with God, it's not just about your values, your principles, but it's about transferring those to those coming behind you. And we found you can't just transfer cool. You can't transfer religious duty, but you can transfer a real relationship with Jesus to those coming behind you. And I always love Next Gen Weekend. It's not a programmatic thing. It's really a chance and an opportunity for you to see spiritual family, discipleship and development, and a heart for the next generation in real life. And I don't know about you, but I'm always impressed because it's not like we're taking a step down to give them the platform. They did a phenomenal job, an incredible job. I love the, the picture right over here. This is Breanne. Her parents came to the cafetorium. Amazing to me, uh, her mom, Lorraine, brought her dad, Mark, to the cafetorium. He wasn't much into church, and he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ in that cafetorium. They're still part of our church, serve on our team, uh, Mark was one of our first small group leaders. We didn't have all these qualified people like you today. Mark had just gotten saved. We said, do you know Jesus? He said, yeah. I said, well, you're in the game, brother. You're in. And uh, so he had a small group in his game room with a Budweiser uh, light up there and some shot glasses around the room, and everybody was getting in the spirit. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, we just uh, we, we cleaned it up as we went. Are you with me? And uh, I'm, it's just what a great picture that their daughter now is leading from this platform and did a fantastic job. Just one story, there's lots of stories, and so uh, what a great picture of the heart of God and his desire for us. So we had Next Gen Weekend last weekend, but I kicked it off this Closer series, and uh, just letting some of you in on what it's all about, we took a team of people to Israel, and before we were going, we began to discuss, well, what if we went, but yet we gave you the opportunity to join us and that we would shoot several of these key moments with Jesus by video so that you could come into the Bible stories and make them alive. 
And as we started working on all the content and we had all of these times and we're shooting these sessions, then we decided, you know what, even better, we could help you journey along with us, not just with the videos, but also to give you a book that's very simple and easy to read. And I wanna encourage you to get that book. We have them for sale, both campuses. We have them here at the Keller campus, a lot of different locations in the commons. I'm, I'm not taking resources from this book uh, so I, I unapologetically am asking you to get one because I believe, again, it's, it's a great little devotional tool to get close to Jesus. It's a great small group tool because it has some questions. Some of you may be looking for what to do in a small group setting at closer.milestonechurch.com. We have the videos that we're sharing and you could take the book, get a few, and just walk through the life of Jesus. What an incredible time it would be for the next few weeks. Uh, to really investigate who Jesus is. The first week we started on the bank of a lake and we tar started talking about the historical Jesus, yes, that he was never married, that he never sat on an earthly throne, he never had any natural children to carry on his legacy, yet hundreds and thousands of years later there's millions, billions of people that have followed this historical Jesus. So no matter where you're coming from, from the middle of nowhere, he's made an incredible impact on multiple areas of, of our lives, culturally and health and life and equality and all kinds of issues. His message, he's changed our everyday lives. We ended that first week by recognizing the first step in getting close to Jesus is doing what he said to those first followers. He said, follow me follow me. They're like, where are we going? He says, don't worry about it. Just follow. Well, what's going to happen when we get there? You know, I mean, it's like, what, well, Jesus, give me a little more information. No, no, just, just follow. And at the height and peak of their business success in that moment, they laid down their nets, their fishing, their enterprise. They said, okay, we're going with you. And they followed Jesus. This week we find Jesus in an even more remote location we find him on a mountain, really for those in Colorado or those that have really seen a mountain, it's a glorified hill, but a hillside that has then affectionately been named the Mount of Beatitudes. You're like, that sounds like a wild word, why is it called the Mount of Beatitudes? It's because Jesus gave what I believe to be the greatest sermon ever preached. It's three chapters of the Bible, and he starts with this word beatitudes. He starts with the idea of being blessed. See, he knows where we live. He knows that this word beatitudes, the beat side of it is that we want the blessing of God on our lives. We want the favor of God on our lives. We want God's hand upon our lives. And he says, if you want that, then let me help you think about it maybe a little bit differently. So Jesus gets on this mountainside and he delivers what I believe to be the greatest sermon ever. And I want to take you to that mountainside and I want us to unpack some of the concepts and I want us to try to keep throughout our moment together boiling it down to what's Jesus really trying to say? What's he really trying to offer to us? You're like, Jeff, you said this is the greatest sermon ever preached, all right? What makes a great sermon, by the way? It's the most lengthy, it's the most exhaustive, there's a lot of components. For us today, we would think there would be a 
poised communicator. Jesus was an incredible communicator. In fact, at the end of the message, did you know what they said about his message? All of those that were listening said, he spoke with authority. He spoke with authority. He's not giving us just a bunch of just kind of biased mumbo jumbo and religious rhetoric like the teachers of the law. He's talking to our souls. He's talking to where we really live. Said he spoke with one that had authority. So you would think a great sermon would have a good communicator. Jesus is a great communicator. You would think maybe there's a comfortable seat. That's why we've given you one of those today. There's no comfortable seats on this mountainside, really. Uh, I would think you would want to have a good temperature. I'm a big fan of air conditioning. Uh, I went there. The air was out, okay? The air was out. It's an arid, dry, hot, desert place with no comfortable seat. There's all these things related to it. You know, I started preaching at 16 years old and was a senior pastor right there, 21. So I've preached a lot of messages, a lot of messages, a lot of days, a lot of them. And I don't know about the greatest sermon that I've ever preached. Um, maybe I've preached some good ones. Here's what I found. You wanna know what a pastor thinks after the weekend. You finish, you go, well, I hope it was good, but I know what you're thinking. Bring me something better next week. That's what you're thinking, okay? <laughs> Put something back in the hopper, pastor. We gotta have something a little bit better. And yet, I don't know how many good ones I've preached. I do remember the bad ones. I had a really bad one here a few years ago, really bad. And uh, it was on Saturday night, and so it was kind of my first one, and I, I don't know, man. I was just I was trying, and I got in the middle of it, and I said this. This is a, this is a preacher move right here. Key in with me. You, you gotta look, you got key in, right here, right here, here, here it is. This is the most important thing that you could get out of everything I'm saying. And everybody leaned in and I said, right here, the most important thing. And I forgot what it was. <laughs> I thought, man, what was that thing? Then I just kind of melted down and just said, just forget it, I'll start over tomorrow and just walked off. Went to the back, had a lot of good encouragers back there. I go, that was terrible. Some, one of our guys said, yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> one of the ladies came in and said, you know what, pastor's good for you. You're pretty good, that'll keep you humble. I'm like, I gotta go find somebody with some encouragement, you know what I'm saying? I don't even know if I'm coming back tomorrow. Here's what made Jesus' sermon. There's a lot about it. Now again, Jesus, he's God, not fair. I'm gonna tell you, he's giving, inspired by God himself and he himself giving the words of life. You know what made his message so powerful though too? Is there was a bunch of hungry listeners. There was a bunch of hungry listeners. We're gonna see the historical context and I'm gonna come back and talk to you about it. But there was a bunch of searching, seeking, hungry people to hear what he said because they had looked in multiple other places to find answers. And they were coming to him because they heard he had the real answers. So they were searching and seeking. We are searchers, by the way. But we don't always seek in the right place. There's something in us that just makes us search, makes us sit in front of Google and go, what do I want to ask? I don't even know, but I just want to ask something. Stand in front of the refrigerator at night. We open it up. We just stand there. We just hope something, now it's the same stuff is in there that was there at four o'clock the afternoon. 
but we're hoping like something good is going to appear. So we just stand and look in there. So many times in our spiritual lives we're seeking, but we don't know where to find answers. This was a group of people who were seeking and searching and they came to the right place for the greatest sermon ever preached. Let's go to that mountainside and let's look at some of the things Jesus had to say. standing here on a hillside on the north side of the Sea of Galilee in a region called Capernaum, a city, and then this area that's close by. And it's a place where Jesus did a lot of ministry. It's, it's more than just any hillside. It's now called the Mount of Beatitudes because Jesus talked about some principles and he preached his longest and probably the most famous and most preached sermon in all the world and in all of human history. You see, Jesus, if we go back and look, his followers, the first disciples, started following him on a beach just not too far from here, but now he's made his way around the region and he's healed a lot of people and he's had a lot of great impact in the lives of people. And as a result of that, there's a lot of people that have started to follow him this sermon delivered by Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount, it's found in the book of Matthew, chapter five, six, and seven. It's three chapters, but I wanna specifically just look, there's way too much to cover. I wanna specifically look at a key area that fits with this journey that we're on to become closer to Jesus. I wanna look at Matthew 6, 19 through 34. Uh, because I believe right here, Jesus starts dealing with, at the very central place, some of the things that hold us back from being close to him. Now, these thousands of people that are gathered on this hillside, they're, they're intrigued by Jesus. They're, they're looking at all these healings, but they still don't know themselves what it means to really be close to him or what that truly is, and so here, after in the previous chapters to this sermon, uh, we start seeing them follow him and in the very last verses, it says they've come from cities all over, Jerusalem and Decapolis, they're gathered here. Who are they? Well, they're made up of all different walks of life. There's common people, there's people that believe they should separate from all of culture because they have the true beliefs. There's urban elites and religious type leadership people and. There's, there's people from all different perspectives is my point. Jesus knows they're listening and yet he also understands again where we are today and so these, these words speak to all of them and they speak to all of us as we look at it. Now, in the early phases and, and stages of this sermon, he deals with some of the common barriers. Remember, we're talking about how to be closer to Jesus, he deals with some of the common barriers. He deals with a lot of relational things. Look, relational stuff can really stop us from being close to Jesus, and Jesus knows we care about that, and so he gives some principles and some ways to love your enemies and deal with some of the pain that happens in relationship. He starts talking about some of our 
devotional things that bring us closer to him in the areas of prayer, in the areas of fasting. And of course, he starts dealing with some character things, those things that hold us back. And, and, I, and I've got to imagine, even as I stand here, I got to imagine those people from all those different perspectives, how Jesus probably started addressing some things that they specifically had that were barriers to him uh, being close to them. And so as we look here at verse 19, I want us to look at it together. And I believe it hits right where we are. Some of the, the most common things that hold us back. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And look what he says here, because being close has to do with the heart. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus makes a theme here that things and possessions and our fear related to money, he talks about it a lot because the truth is we worship it a lot. He says here, put your treasure in the right place, think about my kingdom, and he says, then your heart's gonna follow that. I love this verse of scripture as well. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So he starts talking here about how to be close to him is by what you focus on. And I like to sum up this little section with what what you focus on, you get full of. What you focus on, you get full of. If you focus on your problems, if you focus on your mistakes, if you focus on your successes, if you focus on your things, your money, your lack thereof, or the greatness of what you do have, if you focus on your career, anything, your children, whatever you start to focus on more than him, you get full of. He says you can't serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. He's not in any way saying money is evil. He's just saying it makes for a poor God. And then he starts going into really the heart level of how this affects us and stops us from being close to him. He says, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And some of you say, look, a lot of us, we don't worry about that. Now, again, going into the context of most of the people that were sitting on this hillside listening to him, they had like one garment, they prepared for one meal a day, so they were concerned about it. And if we take their context and then impose what we spend a lot of our time worrying about that's in the same way, Jesus is still speaking to us. He said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? He's saying, look, trust me. I know how to take care of all of these complex organisms within the world and these birds and all of this process of sowing and reaping. Here, 
You wanna be close to me? Start focusing on me because I know how to take care of you. So he says here, so do not worry saying what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you shall wear. For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Now I would like for us right here, if we think about this famous sermon and we're thinking about being close and this is the step we're at here at this moment on this journey. I want us to focus in on what Jesus has to say right at this end of this section that is a source of barrier for all of us. He says, seek first his kingdom. And Jesus would all over and over say, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus came on the scene and people didn't understand that. They're like, it's here. And what is he saying? You can be close. You can be near to me. He's here saying, look, Seek first me, seek first my kingdom and all of this righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well. Therefore, if you're seeking the right thing, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We're thinking about being close to Jesus. Think about all those people that are there listening to this great sermon. In fact, I'm just allowing the Bible and Jesus's sermon to just join in with what I wanna to communicate to you. And, and I want us just to think about it at this step as we're getting closer to him and, and really processing what he has to say. I think it has to do with, if you think about the, the focus, the perspective, the lamp of the body's the eye, and then you see Jesus say, seek first the kingdom. I'm right here, I'm near. I'll take care of all the other stuff. Here's a question we all need to ask. What are we really seeking? If we found answers to the things we're really worried about, if those things could really deliver for us what we're, what we're really lacking, they can't, we all know that. So, so why do we worry about tomorrow? It has its own trouble. I, I, I wanna make this choice today. I, I want you to make that choice. Let's, let's seek him. Say, how do I, am I closer to Jesus? Well, whatever you're seeking the most, you'll be closest to. Whatever you seek, you get closer to, and whatever you don't seek, you get further away from. Let's seek him. These other things, they can't satisfy. We can't know all the solutions. We can't solve all the problems. And anxiety and worry about all of that wants to cloud our heart and separate us from Jesus. He says, seek me first and I'll take care of those other things. I know how life works. You can trust me. Sometimes understanding the context of those people there on that hillside, Jesus using it in his time period as a place like an auditorium and utilizing the amplification of the hillside, sometimes understanding where those people are coming from and understanding Jesus's message makes the Bible and makes the person of Jesus Christ closer to us and he communicates more clearly to us. 
I, I say in the book, in fact, I talk about where they're coming from. On page 33, it says, in the end of Matthew 4, it says, the news about him had spread throughout Syria, and now people are coming from Galilee, down in Jerusalem and Judea, and even the region across from the Jordan. Again, I didn't get this out of a commentary. I'm giving you my real life impression when I stood there. And I'm standing there thinking about this mountain inside and all those people, and I started thinking about the places they were coming from. When we read the names of these cities from a distance or you just read the Bible, it kind of all blends together and it's just a bunch of biblical names. But as I stood on the hillside and looked over the region, I realized the significance of this detail. Galilee and Capernaum were a short walk from this spot, but the cities in Syria stretched as far as 30 miles in each direction. And this is really what struck me. Jerusalem was a staggering distance, more than 106 miles away, and Judea extended even farther to the south. When you consider that the average person could walk about 20 miles a day during this period, you realize this was no casual commitment. People were walking for nearly a week for the opportunity to be close to Jesus. So Jesus was bringing real life solutions to real everyday people that were coming from multiple different places, as I mentioned in the video. Those who thought they had religious answers, those that were in desperation, those that were broken, those that were protecting position, those that thought isolation was the answer and just hiding away from real everyday life, they were all in the crowd. And Jesus was offering answers for them. And he knew where they were, but he was offering the opportunity for real change that could bring them close to him. And that's what Jesus is offering to us today. I believe if you kind of sum up this great message, it hits something that we all care about. We are seekers and searchers. We seek and search because we want to change. I've said it like this for many years as a pastor. Sometimes we don't think we need change, but then life presents to us opportunities and situations that cause us to start to desire to change, but then a lot of times just the way life works because of the people that love us or because someone brings something into our lives or just our own revelation, we realize, you know what, I, I have to change. And we seek and search because we want to change. No one can change us like Jesus. As someone who's worked with people for over 20 plus years, let me just tell you, you can't change people. You can't force people. People do what they want to do. That's why Jesus changes our want to. Jesus changes us like no one else. But here's the interesting thing. If you're at the place where you're going, hey, I, I'm ready for this to be out of my life, here's something we have to understand about this whole sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached. He doesn't do it the way we expect. He doesn't change us the way we think it should be along the way. I know I look back in my life and I wanna in our last few moments just give you some things even from my own life that I see as spiritual anchor points because I've had all the things that Jesus is talking about there. You might think, well, you're a pastor, you know, you pastored early. No, I've had all of those. I've had worry. I've had the fear that basically I made my fear bigger than God. I've had the anxiety of trying to plan and control and try to fix things along the way. I found I'm not capable of doing it. I've had times in my life where I was focused on the wrong things, and I have a tendency, just like you, to get focused on the wrong things, 
to get self-sufficient outside of seeking God. But I can tell you the things that have carried me through and really one major principle that I'm gonna bring you down to is this principle of focus and seeking God. My wife and I were on a walk, in fact, this week, and you know, when you start dropping kids off at college and you start hitting transition phases, you know, you just start getting a little more reminiscent and you start looking back on life. And we were just talking together about how much we've changed. How, how much, you know, you just wake up one day and you think, you know what, I'm not where I wanna be, but I'm not where I used to be. I, I, I'm more at peace, I'm more connected. I, 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 I see these changes along the way. We we're just talking about that. And I told her, I said, this week I was reading in my Bible and, and I found a section around what I'm talking to you about where I wrote a date. That's why I encourage you to have a journal or a, a Bible or something and just, 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 just encourage you to, to mark your milestones with Jesus, and build a history with Jesus. And I had on there a date, May 29th, and I didn't put the, the actual year, but I remembered about that year, and it was early in our relationship together as a married couple, and I remember sitting in a message on a Sunday night and just, just feeling a hunger for Jesus and just saying, you know what, Jesus, this was in a time period where we didn't have a job. We didn't have a church. We, we didn't have, we were live, I was living with her parents. Had a major, major challenge in ministry and, and, and I'm telling you, it was kind of a low point for us. And I remember writing that date, Jesus, whatever you ask, wherever you call me, Jesus, I wanna be close to you. I remember that re-surrender. I gave my life to Christ at an early age, but. I wanna tell you, it's those moments where you come back to him and say, look, 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 okay, okay, wait, I'm gonna push all this out, and it's you, Jesus. It's you, whatever you say, wherever you lead, whatever you want, I'm all in with you, Jesus. Can I ask you this question? For some of you, the first time, have you ever done that? Have you ever said, when I say not focusing on your career doesn't mean that we don't work as unto the Lord and you don't have to have diligent time spent in your career. When I say not focusing on your kids doesn't mean you shouldn't prioritize the stewardship of your children. What I'm saying, when I talk about money, I'm not saying that money's somehow wrong. It's a great tool to be used for a lot of great good. What I'm saying is none of those things can satisfy and be the focal point of your life. Have you ever said, you know what, Jesus, I'm gonna make you the main focus. I'm gonna make you the central focus. When's the last time you would've rode a unicycle to get to church to hear the word of God? You're like, I just can't wait to get there because I know Jesus is gonna talk to me. When we talk about these small groups, why do we do it? Is it a program? No, 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 no. Here's what happens. When you get around people that are talking about Jesus and you're sharing and you're walking together, it's, again, it's not about the function of it. It's not about making that bigger than Jesus. It's just an atmosphere where Jesus gets bigger. It's an atmosphere where you, you say, man, when's the last time you just felt a hunger level rising in you to just, it changed even the way you drive to work or drive to pick up the kids or drive to do whatever you do because you're just like, man, I'm just really hungry for Jesus. That's what made this the greatest sermon ever preached because there were people on that hillside. They didn't have a lot of other options. It was Jesus, and Jesus brought change into their lives. So I wanna to talk to you about this process that happened in their life. First of all, what we have to admit is that they came to this place, many of them, I have to believe, and this is what Jesus at least was after, 
We recognize our needs line up with his wisdom. You know, I I don't want to be close to a God who doesn't know where I live, who doesn't really know. I am so glad that Jesus came and had this moment with all these people that came for a week, and he didn't just talk about a bunch of religious historical information. He talked about life. He talked about their money. He talked about their clothes. He talked about their hurts. He talked about their hangups. He talked about something in their simplistic life that still is big today for us. He talked about worrying about tomorrow. I was talking to a guy the other day who said he he communicates to thousands of people, and I'm always wanting to learn, so I just asked him the question. I said, what is one of the biggest things you're talking about now? He said, did you know what the number one verse now today that people are looking for and searching? I thought, you know, you gotta go with John 3, 16. You know, football's coming back. We're gonna see that in the end zone. He's like, eh, wrong answer. I'm like, well, I'm just trying. What about I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? You know, people who don't even believe in God, they're like, I'll take some strength, you know? No, not that one. Whoa, 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 what if I'm going strike three, you're out. You know, I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to know these things. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, like I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper, you know. He said, no, Philippians 4, 6. How to not be anxious about anything. A stressed out, depressed, frazzled culture of people. Jesus' great message, it still hits us where we live. It still comes to us and gives us hope and answers. But here's what he's saying. Remember, I'm gonna change you in a different way than you think. You have to do my wisdom. Okay, everyone wants this blessing, but I say to you, here's how it comes. Here's the second thing that I see what happened in this great message is we all have to come to a place where we admit we don't know how to change ourselves. We, we really don't know how, and a lot of times we're not always willing to do the things that are needed for change. And so we just have to admit, you know, we're seeking, we're searching, but a lot of times we're gonna try all the other available options before we do what Jesus' wise words tell us to. I'm that way. I had a event a few years ago where I was riding a jet ski with my son and my toe got bent behind my, uh, the deal there and I got, a, I got blood under the toe and I, I got a toe fungus. That'll wake y'all up. Some of y'all are falling asleep. <laughs> Pastor got a toe fungus? I'm into that. What happened? I got you back there, sir. You know what I'm saying. Guy walked out last night. He said, talk more about the toe fungus. Makes you feel more like us. I've tried everything but what will fix it. My doctor said I need to take a pill. Problem is when they give you these pills, you know, you you have on on television, you know, it's like take this pill and then you may be driving, you may be experiencing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little afraid of all that. You know, it's like you could go crazy, you could lose your hair, you could, you, you know, you could. And I'm like, I can do without a toe, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if I can. And, and so, so I, I haven't been willing to do it, so I've tried everything else. I have a, this poor lady that does a pedicure for me, poor lady. I mean, she, she just grinds on it, she just puts medicine on it, and it just keeps coming back. And then a guy in the church had a little laser. I put it in a laser for six months. It could have burned my foot off, who knows? I mean, I. <laughs> I did all kinds of stuff, but I'm not necessarily willing to do what my doctor says. And and I say this to say, in our lives, we all want certain areas. My kids call it fungus among us. We want the fungus among us to leave, but we're not always willing. 
or even know how or what to do to change. And so we live in a repetitive cycle of many times dealing with the fallout of not being willing or not knowing how, but really where we end up is, I I don't even know that in myself, I possess the ability to change me. The common phrase I talk to with people today, talking to a couple of guys this week that are having marriage problems, their common response is, I gotta become a better person. Or a lot of our dialogue when you're having trouble is, what I mentioned in the book, is that we want everybody else to change. If everybody else would change, if she would change, if he would change. We have an angry culture because we're so mad and want somebody else to change. You know why? Because we don't know how to change us. We don't know how to change us. I want to give you the way he changes us. Here's how you can look back and go, I am amazed at all the change, all of the Christ-likeness that's in my life. Here's what Jesus is saying. And I don't want to sum up in a too simplistic fashion Jesus' greatest sermon ever preached, but as I see it, he's talking about the areas of our lives, but he comes to these calibrating moments where he comes back and he goes, hey, hey, here's what I'm talking about. Here's what I'm talking about. Here's the, here's the reality. We change our focus. I, I'm telling you, I got this early in life, and I'm going to tell you, it's been a game changer for me, okay? We change our focus then he changes us. We change our focus and then he changes us. Notice those little phrases there that that are in this message to us. The eye is the lamp of the body. So what is he saying? If you'll change what you're looking at, in fact, the worst person on the planet is the person who focuses on the wrong things and then gets full of the wrong things like darkness. What you focus on, you get full of. Some of you are wanting to see change in your marriage. You're wanting to see change with your children. You're wanting to see change in your business. Jesus talked a lot about money. You're like, I want to change my financial situation. Well, Jesus tells us how. Quit focusing on what's wrong with that, what's wrong with them, and what's happening here, and get hungry, and get focused, because what you focus on, you're going to get full of. And then he uses a phrase like, seek first the kingdom. You're like, that sounds churchy. Seek first the kingdom. You know, every good message has an action step. He gave us the action step. Every good message doesn't leave you going, well, that was interesting. What do I do? Every good message says, here's what you do. And you know what Jesus says? Seek first the kingdom. Focus on me. Focus on me and I'll do the changing. I'll do the cleansing. Here's a little picture that I've had in my head since uh, for a long time, okay? You're just like, Pastor Jeff, how do you do it? Because I'm as tempted as you, I'm as off as you. Here's how you do it. You have a glass full of dirt and everybody tries to dig the dirt out of the glass. That's what people think Christianity is. Dig the dirt out. But Jesus is saying, if you'll fill the glass with me, if you'll get hungry for me, if you'll focus on me, if you'll worship me, if you'll make me the priority, I'll cleanse the water in the glass. I'll cleanse it. So turn up the temperature of me in your life. Don't focus on this and let me fill it. Let me fill it. Let me fill it. And you know what'll happen? Your want-tos will change. 
your desires will change, problems. He'll start working miracles in situations that you don't even know how to put together or even understand. Remember what he said, I take care of the birds. I take care of the flowers. Quit worrying so much about tomorrow. Let me fill it. Let me flow through your life. Seek me. Seek first the kingdom seems like a challenging question. What is that? It's just make me the priority. Make me the priority. If you'll say, okay, Jesus, whatever you say, whatever's your, I, I, I've already predetermined, I'm in. I'm in. Financially, relationally, maritally, whatever it is. And you know what'll happen? He'll do the changing. He'll do the changing. I'm gonna ask if you would to bow your heads with me because I believe there's some of you here, you're like, maybe I should change, but there's some of you going, I need to change. I'm gonna ask you, unless it's an emergency, for no one to move around for just a moment. And so just, just kind of hang in there. We're gonna be done in just a moment. Just hang in there because I believe there's some of you here, you're like, Pastor, you're, you're talking to me. A girl I met in our other service, she said, I had given up on God. I had given up that God is real. I didn't know if I believed in God. And by listening to what I'm talking about, she said, if Jesus will do the changing, then I wanna, I wanna reconnect, I wanna, I wanna connect with him. You may be in that place where you've given up on the fact that change is possible. Right where you are, you just simply say, Jesus, I wanna turn my attention to you. I wanna turn my focus to you. Jesus, I want to make you the centerpiece of my life. I don't even know exactly what all that means but you have my heart. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead. I believe you're not just a historical Jesus. I believe you're a Jesus who wants to be close to me. You wanna become my Jesus. Come in to my heart and my life. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask everyone just to keep their heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. Maybe let us know on the card or maybe you can come to our Discovery 101 today. I'll be there, I'd love to meet you. I know that's a challenge to say, okay, I'm gonna, you're gonna take a step. Well, look, remember we said it's just about getting close to Jesus. Take a spiritual step. Take a spiritual step, I'd love to meet you. There's others of you here, you may have committed yourself to Jesus, but if you're honest, it's been a while since he's been the center piece of your focus and attention and heart, and the majority of your time is spent being consumed by other things. Maybe you need to write down a date today Write down a little marker. Okay, Jesus, I've gotten a little off track. I just wanna make you the focus. I wanna make you the focus because your love, your grace, your life can change me. And so I freshen anew, just say, Jesus, I wanna come back and focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 